Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, Bobby, we're going back to school this week and next on Urban Spelunking. In fact, we're talking about our, our alma maters because yes. these two institutions, we both attended both. Yes. Should it be Alma's Alma's mater? You got to tell me. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that like up. attorneys general. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> going back Whiskey's to the, sour. <laughs> AP style book here. Well, we're going to the UWM campus first, and we're talking about uh, the Stahl Center for Jewish Studies. At least that's how it's known today. Did or say, is it the Green Museum? Building? Or is it the Green Museum? Well, that's a source of confusion because there is still kind of a old an old placard that says Green Museum, but it's not. In or, fact, the new sign outside also says Green Museum. Oh, okay. All so, right. like, it's that's just like the name of the building is the Green Memorial Museum because it can't be confused with the building next door, which is called Green Hall. I could see how this might have created a little confusion over the years. <laughs> so, this is a building that has you know has been there since uh, when 1913. 1913. Been there a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we both went to UWM. I somehow missed this building. It's kind of a small one, but I totally was unaware. I was like, what building? Yeah, and I would walk past this every day because. Well, we were both in the journalism department, so why you didn't see it and I saw it every day is I don't know. Me. Maybe I had but my head down. I was reading I was reading too many books in college, evidently. Yeah, well it's part of the old <laughs> Downer College campus. Yes, it's right okay. on the corner of you know, Hartford and um Downer. It's right I mean, this there, building yeah. is a little north of the corner, but that whole like former campus is right there on that corner. And you know, there's Johnston Hall and Merrill Hall and, and Holton Hall. And then Green Hall is behind it. And Green Hall is the one that it's like a beautiful, it almost looks like a church. Inside. Yes, yes, really yes. Beautiful. And then just north of that is the Green <sighs> Memorial Museum. And then just north of that is Sabin Hall. Yeah, it's coming a little clearer, but for some reason now? it's just not because it's all right. Let's talk about the building. It's a it's a red brick building yep. designed by Eschweiler. Yes, um, and it's sort of fortress like. Yeah, it's it's kind of square, right? I mean, Which it's is like a purpose. yeah, um, and. We'll talk, I guess, about the, what used to be in there, but right now it's the Stahl Center for Jewish Studies, yeah. and um, it's been it's gone through some work, and it's really bright, and it's a lot. Uh, it looks a lot different inside than I expected. I was stunned because, like, I've seen it, you know, for all these decades now from the outside, where it looks like it has very few windows, and the windows it has look very small. But when you go in, there's a skylight, <laughs> which you don't realize from outside unless you've seen it from up above somehow. <laughs> right. Um, but just walking into it, you're like. Oh my God, this place is flooded with light. And it's what I love about it is it's a beautiful little museum building, which <laughs> I don't mean that to sound insulting, but there's there's just something about these kind of buildings that were built on college campuses and other places. Like in Kenosha, have you ever been to the Dinosaur Museum in Kenosha? I have not. It's just a beautiful, like shrunken down version of a giant museum. But there's just something kind of cool about yeah, the fact that sure. these people who had some money and a passion for something like green, the reason this happened is because... Uh, Thomas Green was a collector of um, fossils and rocks and and all this sort of geological stuff. And his uh, children gave the collection to UWM and wanted a building that would safely protect this collection, which is one of the best collections, apparently, of this kind of stuff in the country, potentially in the world. So it really is an impressive collection and it deserved and needed a building that everything's fireproof in this building pretty much, you know, the, even the the rocks, the, yep. (laughs) Especially the fossils. Um, but the windows, even though like the window frames, you go in there, if you tap them, they're all metal, like all the sashes and things that are normally wood are Mm -hmm. all made out of metal. So, um, that's the story behind the building itself. 
Well, great to great to share. I mean, that that collection is still on the campus. We'll tell you more about where you can find that collection, the original collection, plus all sorts of really interesting like handwritten um, details from Green himself. Plus, we'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on inside the Stahl Center for Jewish Studies, how they're using the building today. That's next on Urban Spelunking. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. And we are back on Urban Spelunking on the UWM campus, a place I spent a lot of time and somehow completely missed this building. <laughs> and it sounds like it was right next to all my classes. I just missed it somehow. I don't and know. I have to say, the, the part that I regret most is that I saw it pretty much every day and I never went inside. And now, like, I've missed the chance to see it when it was the museum because now it has this whole other life. And I'm glad I got to go inside, but I would have really loved to see it when it was sort of this, like... Um, I think that from 1913 until when it moved out in 1992, I think it was a fairly static situation. Like if you went and saw it in 1990, it probably didn't look a whole lot different than it looked in 1920. Right. I mean, the so, rocks don't mature. Right. They, and they I, don't... Think, I just think it, and it has still had all the original like display cases, all that stuff. So I really regret that I didn't see it. And I have no excuse because I knew it was there. Yeah. Oh, you've been trying to get in for a while too. So it, it took a while for you to get that tour. I feel like I'm uh, I'm disrespecting Mr. Green by by calling them rocks because there's so much more than just ro- just some rocks. Stones, that, <laughs> stones <laughs> gems, fossils. Uh, oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. What, so, what was the the other yeah, agates? Pe- yeah, there's like agates, petrified like wood and stuff like that. He um, did a ton of collecting at local quarries, including Hartung Park, which used to be a quarry. Um, and got loads of like Silurian fossils. So like when the when the seas covered this area, you know, you, there's that reef in uh, Schoonmaker Reef in Wauwatosa mm-hmm. that has all the same sorts of things. And so he was an inveterate collector of this kind of stuff. And he had money. He was a successful um, he pharma. He had a pharmaceuticals company with Henry Button. You know who Henry Button We've is. We've talked about We've Henry talked Button about and, Henry his, and his block building. Yes. yes. He, well, he was dead by the time the block building was built, but he also right, we covered owned that too. <laughs> the house that is now the David Barnett Gallery. Yes. Yes. So anyway, so they were partners. So they had a lot of money because they had this really successful business. So he could indulge this passion he had for collecting. And so he was well known. He was not a scientist, but he was respected because he was really interested, learned, and was like actively out there collecting these things that might have gone um, otherwise uncollected. He was going out and talking to people working in the quarries and buying things from them and that, that sort of thing. That's cool. And you think about um, making that collection accessible for as long as it, I mean, it still is. It I mean, still is, right? Um, but for students and for the public, and I mean, he could have just collected privately and kept it all, but I mean, that it was always part of his uh, Green's intention to share this with Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So that's beautiful that his family decided to do this, gave the, mo- gave the collection, then gave the money for the building after having just not long before that giving money for the hall that looks like a church. Um, so what was interesting to me is I called the the guy who's listed on the website as the person who's in charge of the Green Museum these days, nice guy um, named Brett, and he said, all right, come down, come on down, I'll meet you. And I, for some reason, I started to have a feeling. And I said, <laughs> we're meeting on Downer Avenue, right? And he's like, oh, no, no, we're in Lapham Hall. I'm like, wait, what? Ah, I see, <laughs> so, okay. I know this is 30-year-old news that they moved, but I hadn't gotten the memo. That's really yeah. <laughs> so so the collection moved to Lapham Hall. And if you yes, if you've ever been in that building in 1992 onward, you've probably seen it because they're displayed. You don't have to go into a room, right? They're in like a 
in a in like a hallway that you can walk by and you can see some of the collection. Right? Yeah, some of the collection is in that hallway. Well, there's also other collections in in that hallway that is lined with display cases. Yes, on the first yes. Floor. So there's some that have like bird stuffed. Uh huh. I've been in that but hall. Then, but then when you get to where <laughs> the museum too. is, you can see like the petrified wood, and there's a yes. display case that has um, interesting stuff about the history of the collection. Has some pieces from the collection has increased Lapham's own signed like personal copy of Charles Darwin's origin of species, which is pretty amazing. That's great. But then you, you know, and you can see into what is the museum, which is a room that you have to get let into. And a lot of students still use this facility today. I mean, uh, as part of the required coursework for some uh, specific classes. So students are definitely hands-on with these, with these items. Whether they want to be or not. <laughs> right, right. Because they requ- as you said, it's a requirement that they go in there and they they study some of these collections and things. And there's also, a, I didn't really include it in the story because it didn't really fit that well. But while I was there, he showed me this, uh, this thing that was donated by um, a company that, it's like a sand table with a, and it's connected to a computer and you can use it to show how to, um, to make topographic maps. Oh, cool. So, like, if you move the sand, like, the basically what's there is being mapped on the screen. And if you move the sand, it changes the elevations and the maps. So it's a really interesting kind of thing. But, yes, so then students go in there, but it's also open to the public. Very limited hours. Um, but that's all on their website if you Google that. Um, we probably the, didn't spend as much time in those classes. We were in our journalism classes. Right. And, uh, and I took one class. I had one class. That <laughs> we was had papers Lapa too. Hall, and I'm sure it was a, a requirement. <laughs> I remember being in a lab. I don't even remember what I studied. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking back. I, I know I took a weather and climate class. And I think on the, in Lapham Hall they have a, uh, like a geology, like a seismograph. That's it. Yes. Uh, that's And that's, the seismograph is – Right there. Yeah. So I remember yes. looking at that every day and, and thinking that was cool. So yeah. not far from the from the collection. I want right. to keep saying the rocks. But. The rocks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I took a weather class too, but it was actually in Sabin Hall right next to the Old Green Museum. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thankful I had friends in that class because uh, I needed the help. But let's move on to the, the, the collection. So it, it moved in 92. What happened to the building since 92 and onward? So then it sat empty for a really long time. And that was sort of... Um, it was starting to look like the doom of the building because it was just, it was in disrepair. It wasn't being kept up because there was no use for it at the time. It was like taped um, off, right? According to your quote. Yeah. Story. yeah and it was yeah. taped off. And when the stall center, which had been in offices in Curtin hall, um, found out that they could move into this building, I, I guess I had to raise money to do that, but, um, they weren't even allowed to go inside and see it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. like the woman that showed me around who is not, I think the person in charge, but like next in line, um, she said she wasn't even allowed in the building until it was ready because it was in such bad shape that they couldn't even go in. So um, the building was vacant and uh, from 92 onward, and then there was a point when they started dreaming up ways to re- retool the space and begin some renovations. So when did the work to restore it begin? Um, they got in there in 2008, so I'm guessing it was either earlier that year or a little bit the year before that, but they moved in December of 2008 when the work was done and to go in it now is it looks like you're stepping back in time. It's so like all the woodwork is still there. All the metal window frames are still there with the little, um, each window frame had a little nameplate on it with the name of the Milwaukee company that made it. Those are all still there. Oh, cool. It's really nice. And it's, what's nice about it is it looks, it has that sort of, it's that renovation where it looks modern and old at the same time, uh-huh. you know, oh, definitely. Yeah. in the upstairs exhibition space, which is still mostly wide open on one end of it, they put up a glass wall to put like four little offices in there. Um, but it's so tastefully done and so easily removed that it just, it 
the glass wall feels modern, but the space itself still feels kind of classic. It's really nice. Yeah, that's got to be a really tricky design challenge to make something feel like two feelings at the same time. Yeah, and they did a really good job. And that space upstairs they use for like, well, they have the four office spaces there, but they also have like, you know, events and meetings and things like that up there. Lower level is offices and a library. Um, and all of it. And because it's, you know, they're, they're instructors and stuff. They, they teach classes, the Jewish studies department. Is this a classroom building too, or is it more kind of an administrative? I mean, are I people... don't think they hold classes in there. Got it. No, I mean, they might, you know, in that sort of um, event conference space upstairs, um, they might do, you know, the occasional thing, but I don't think you're, I don't think there's classes that are regularly assigned to meet there. Well, as always, go check out the photos, some really great photos from inside. I was really surprised to see what this looked like on the inside. There's something really satisfying about, um, I'm sure the building like recognized in my brain, because when I saw the photo, I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of, you know. Maybe so if I took it like wider out and you could see the buildings around it. You know? Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm definitely going to go to the campus. Or next time I'm down there, I'm going to make sure and keep an eye out for it. But it is just really cool when you when you see something that that doesn't really look like it, like you'd expect, you know, like yeah. uh, it looked pretty, that's what I, yeah. pretty boxy. And then you get in there and it's like, wow, that's really yeah, incredible. Just all that light in there was great. And I just love this building. Cause I feel like it's one of those ones as evidenced by the fact that you don't remember it. It's like hiding in plain sight. Right. I mean, it's literally right there on Downer Avenue and tons of people just have never seen it. You just, did you just say our mission statement here on urban spelunking? I think I? you did. What is it? We don't have one, but oh. I mean, if we did, it would be kind of like that. <laughs> Somebody write hiding that in plain sight. <laughs> Well, we're here at the end of the podcast. I hope you've got some trivia for us because uh, I'm sure there's a lot trivia. here. Yes. What do you got um, for us? The one that I really kind of like is that um, Sam Stahl, um, who, you know, the was one of the people that gave the money, which is why it's called the Stahl Center, um, helped start Master Lock. Oh, really? Okay. Sort of. Um, and another donor whose name uh, is on the offices down in the in the lower level, Nathan Berkowitz, was an executive at Master Lock before he left and started his own company, the Lock Corporation of America, which still also exists. We got to do some big map of these Milwaukee names because for me, that's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is when these names that you think are totally separate – uh, had this intersection, and then all of a yeah. sudden they had a house or a business, or it's it a, led to something else. It's and, amazing to me how many times I come across something, and I'll be like, hey, that's the guy from that story. <laughs> <laughs> like, how just sort of intertwined. I mean, I guess it was the small walkie of 100 years ago, right? Some things never change, right? Exactly. You got to get one of those big cork boards and some red, <laughs> and uh, some red, yeah, and <laughs> some dramatic lighting and some important Those music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Take a moment to rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback and let us know uh, what you want to hear more of. Let us know what you find interesting. We'd, we'd love to know. Also, take a moment, rate and review the podcast. That really, really helps us. If you can leave a, a rating, that's great. But if you can type a few words, that's even better. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast for more about the locations we talk about on this show and the other podcasts from 88.9. And, of course, this would not be possible without On Milwaukee and the incredible pictures and photos that Bobby writes. So definitely go to On Milwaukee and check out the complete story. We've got a link right in the description box on the player that you're using right now. All right, our back-to-school week continues next week, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> we went right. to... Uh, alma mater number one, and we're going to alma mater number two next week, another another institution we both attended. That's right, MATC. And we're uh, going to go see something that's built into the walls of MATC. Ooh, that's a good tease. I'm not going like to tell that. you what, but it's something that's also really big. Really big. Really big, built into the walls. And if you went to MATC, you might not even know it was there. I didn't know. Did you know? 
I didn't. Yeah. All right. Next week on Urban Spelunking. <laughs>